It's Cofield and Company. No one, and I mean no one, is going to outwork this guy. The man has unstoppable energy. Steve Cofield. We like Steve. (laughs) But we don't love Steve. It's Cofield and Company with Steve Cofield on ESPN Las Vegas. And we know it because we feel it in our bones. Day two of the draft. We're hanging out right down the road. Great spot. Gentleman's Club. Crazy Horse 3. One of our favorite spots in town. In the shadows of Allegiant Stadium. As we're about uh, 58 minutes away from the second round of the draft. Starting the first round was friggin' awesome. I thought it lived up to uh, all of the hype. As Mike Greenberg said on the ESPN broadcast, it was fast and furious. Played a drinking game at home last night, got annihilated. He said it 27 times, but it was <laughs> overwhelming how fast it was going and all of the freaking trades we got. John and I were just talking about it before the show. We could talk about, like, the biggest four storylines for hours. Yep. And we're interested in going through a bunch of the teams. Raiders are up today at number 86. It's going to be a while before we get there. We're here until 6 o'clock. You come down, you hang out, TVs are all in the draft. Yes, the ladies are here of Crazy Horse. Later on, we're going to have football analyst, fantasy football expert, and maybe she dabbled in some adult films. Lisa Ann is going to be in with us. So a big star on SiriusXM, really good on football. So we'll get into some of the bets. Also some of the fantasy impact from yesterday. Never too early to look at fantasy and where different Offensive players landed. Uh, not many of them landed anywhere except right. wide receivers. So we'll get into the shortage of uh, running backs. Zero went yesterday. That's historic. We got all that to get into, but we'll open up with one of the crazier notes of the day. Trevor Bauer, the Dodgers pitcher, who's been embroiled in this battle over pretty violent allegations. He missed, including the season, 99 games going back to last year. Today, Bobby Manfred slapped a two-year ban on him. Yep. This is crazy. And what it sets up, and I'm not saying it's crazy right or crazy wrong. What it sets up is a legal battle. I think unlike we've ever seen in professional sports where a league hands down disciplinary action and the player is going to fight like freaking hell I assume Major League Baseball ran this across their attorneys. You assume. Well, I was lectured today by a, uh, a tweeter to never assume. Yes, you would think Rob Manfred, I think an attorney in his past, sure still has a law degree. You don't just lose that. I don't know if he can practice as an attorney now. <laughs> I was going to say, I don't think you lose it, but you no. might get a little rusty. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I would think they're buttoned up on this Major League Baseball, but, boy, they – 
They smashed Trevor Bauer here. And and the key is, as you talk about the legal battle, and it was thrown out today by many an anonymous tweeter. Uh, let's correct. He was not proven innocent. What happened with Trevor Bauer was that an L.A. judge denied the woman a, perma- a permanent restraining order, and the L.A. County District Attorney's Office declined to file criminal charges. Does that mean he was innocent? just means that there wasn't enough there to then charge yeah. him. Yeah. So that was thrown out there a bunch, and that's what I think makes this from a legal standpoint something to follow our, our legal system is fascinating and right. i'm not comparing the cases and it's one case here against probably uh, if they ever if they could ever bring them all again probably hundreds of cases but like bill cosby's out of jail yep no one said he was innocent well, there were some legal complications with the first process and he was sprung mm-hmm. um and that's what baseball is looking at but i will say and we don't have to spend a whole lot of time on this because this is a story that's going to develop over the weeks and months ahead. Um, and we've seen these cases before. It is a really interesting deal where a major sports league comes in to hand down their own discipline in lieu of the justice system. And as you mentioned, uh, if there was a player that was going to be um, stubborn and not let this go away anytime soon, it would be Trevor Bauer. Well, wouldn't you be? If, oh, you, if, you, if in your heart of hearts you don't think you did something wrong and you thought you were involved in consensual action, and right. listen, the results of the consensual action were pretty damn violent, right? But if you believe that your good name is being smeared here and you're being denied the opportunity to make a living, you would fight it. Oh, if I truly believe that, right. Yes, I would. Absolutely. Uh, so I'm not, I'm not pushing back on him doing this at all. I just think it, uh, that, that other layer to it where Trevor Bauer and his past with the relationship with the front office of Major League Baseball – uh, his outspoken nature against the front, like the league and the executives and the powers that be, it adds another dynamic to this that I think uh, is pretty interesting on both ends, right? In terms of the heavy, what seems to be a heavy-handed punishment by some, and by what Trevor Bauer deems to be a heavy-handed uh, punishment. NBA tonight, we got Memphis and Minnesota. Memphis trying to close things out. This one's interesting. This series was. What do you think of this series beforehand? Remind me. Uh, I thought Memphis is going to win in seven. Oh, really? You yeah. did think it was going to be a long series? Yeah. Because I, I was surprised. There was a lot of, like, ah, Memphis in five. Memphis is going to kill them. And I was like, hey, you know, they, they split the four-game series between each other in the regular season. Everybody was available in those games. Timberwolves are a pretty solid team in their own right. And how about this? Uh, Tim Bontemps, uh, who does a podcast on uh, Thursdays into Fridays with uh, Brian Windhorst, um, he had a stat where we so we played 240 minutes in this series. The Timberwolves have led for, I think, 168 of those minutes. Uh, and uh, a good chunk of those that the Grizzlies led was actually in game two, where if you remember, the Grizzlies blew them out. Like from the jump, they were all over them and, and never let them get back into it. The Timberwolves got to be sh- looking around going, why are we in this situation? You had game three where they led by 21 points multiple times and they blew it. You had the last game where they were up by 12 with like seven minutes left to go and they blew that and ultimately lost on the final play. So uh, it's very interesting because the, the argument is there that Minnesota has outplayed Memphis and yet here they are down 3-2 looking to stave off elimination. Suns close out the Pelicans, 115-109, 4-2 in the series. Now, you know, uh, like Mad Dog Chris Russo, I'm a, I'm a Bob Cousy guy. I respect Chris Paul, but like Russo, you know, Bob Cousy's the guy. Um, and how dare J.J. Reddick say that Cousy was playing against uh, firefighters and whatever, librarians. He was. <laughs> it was Milkman, by the way. That was the... Uh... Milkman, okay. <laughs> well, a little shorthanded in terms of health because Devin Booker came back. But Chris Paul was pretty damn good last night. He was. And so my whole thing isn't like, you know, eras and all that stuff. I just, I feel like we as a whole, like the sports media giant, you got to pump the brakes a little bit on performances sometimes. So, for example, if you remember game four, 
uh, Grand Theft Alvarado, as he is now known, Jose Alvarado, the little guard out of what Georgia Tech, if I remember correctly, that plays for the Pelicans. Um, had a really good defensive game against them. And Chris Paul only scored, I think it was four, uh, four points in the fourth quarter. Looked a little disjointed. They lost the game. The season, uh, series was 2-2. And after that, it's just like, ah, Chris Paul doesn't have it. Can't carry this team. He's too old. There's nothing there. It's nothing left in the tank. He needs somebody. And then you get last night where he goes 14-14, of 14, uh, best postseason performance by an NBA player ever. Will Chamberlain did go 18-18 of 18 in a regular season game. He also won 16-16 of 16 in a regular season game. But it's never a season game. And you just go back over the series, uh, Steve. Two 19-point fourth quarters earlier in this series. That's Chris Paul. A 16-point first half in game five. He has been incredible. And yet, like three days ago, we're like, he's done. He's toast. Just just pump the brakes. He's a little guy in his mid-30s. He's incredible. Yes. The fact that his longevity has gone you know, this far, and he's still a very effective player. And, again, they were missing Booker for most of the series, and he's not 100% when he comes back last night. No, Chris Paul is awesome. And think about this, too. And I, I brought this up to humans. Three years ago, the, te- the Rockets had to trade picks to the Oklahoma City Thunder to get rid of Chris Paul for them to take on that contract. He was viewed at one point just a few years ago in the same realm as Russell Westbrook, as John Wall, in terms of these big gluttonous contracts that aren't worth it and that are going to be an albatross on your team. And yet here he is. After he gets traded from Houston, he goes to Oklahoma City, brings him to the playoffs. They are very competitive in their first-round series. Then he goes to Phoenix, NBA Finals last year, top seed right now, and on to the Western Conference semifinals. Draft coming up at 4 o'clock. Second round starts. We'll go through the uh, beginning of that round and some of the players that are available, but we want to look back on the first round. Uh, first of all, I, I love this angle you sent over in our massive collaboration as we put together a show rundown. Uh, if I heard one more time yesterday – that people were shocked the Packers didn't take a receiver? This is getting stupid. I read a report that day. Don't be surprised if the Packers don't go wide receiver at the first round. It's got to break right for them. And, and it's true. And, and here's the other thing. Aaron Rodgers was on Pat McAfee's show right after, like, right around the draft. It was like, yeah, at some point we just got to trust the team, guys. Like, you don't need to freak out. Okay, I, you, I'm amazed by it. You, you pay Patrick Mahomes and Aaron Rodgers $40 to $50 million something's going to fall a little bit short. And in the case of the Packers, do you want to get more people who can stop the other side right. and then rely on your $50 million quarterback to make the best of what he's got at wide receiver? And the other one is, if they don't like a guy sitting in the 20s, because there was a run from 11 to 18 on wide receivers, if they don't like a guy, and you can tell philosophically, they don't draft wide receivers in the first round. They don't expect them, you know, in terms of value, to be worth it and it's go time now. If they don't think there's a receiver in the draft, and believe me, I don't like the Packers. I don't like their fans. I think Gutekunst and whatever management they have there, I think they've mismanaged this stuff with Rodgers. And now we found out Aaron Rodgers is a giant pain in the ass too. But it shouldn't shock anyone that they were like, we're going best available and we actually need defense because we couldn't get stops last year. We're going D. But, Steve, Devontae Adams was a first-round pick. No, he wasn't. Like, that's the other thing, too. The wide receiving classes are getting deeper and deeper. The talent is immense at the position. And like you said, now I think you can make an argument. One of their first-round picks, many had, uh, I think it was the first selection that they made. But regardless, there was criticism of one of their first-round selections because he was off the board for many teams in terms of first-round selection. If you want to criticize that aspect of it in terms of reaching on a specific player, that's fine. But I think it's just like really low-hanging fruit to come into today and be like, oh, Packers didn't draft a wide receiver, clowns. When in reality, it's just not how it broke. And like Roger said, you kind of got to trust them at some point to do what's right. 
Wide receivers were the story yesterday. We'll get to that in uh, about five minutes. By the way, Colin Cowherd also kind of piled on the Packers on the wide receiver thing. He said uh, six wide receivers taken in the first 20 picks, two wide receivers traded. Meanwhile, the Packers, um, they, uh, well, and kind of the emoji, you know, like, oh, what's going on here? But that's also kind of the point of why you don't take a wide receiver, right? Six were gone in the first 18 picks. Yep. The six best ones. And then we'll get into the debate. We start. We started yesterday. We've, we've talked about it for the last three weeks. There are organizations that believe wide receivers are worth 18 to $30 million. And there are other organizations that are like, no. And we saw a couple yesterday. They just freaking punted. You want a lot of money? We're not interested. We're moving on. You're not going to freaking hold our feet to the fire. You're not going to threaten us. Titans moved on it. Ravens moved on it. Niners did not, which we'll get to. So the Niners are going to be paying Debo Samuel some kind of massive amount. So come on down here. You can watch the draft. Second and third round. Raiders up at pick number 86. Here is Crazy Horse 3. Bucket specials, bottle specials. Great spot for the NFL draft on a Friday. Join the conversation on Twitter at ESPN Las Vegas. I just am confident that we went to uh, the extreme to, to try to try to keep uh, AJ here. This is just another example of making tough decisions that hopefully it, in the long run it's going to make our team better. Now back to Cofield and Company, live at Crazy Horse 3. Mike Vrabel, I don't know if he sounded happy or not. We're getting more of the story on why A.J. Brown was moved. Remember we had some fun uh, yesterday with, hey, which of these big-name players might go on day one of the draft? And uh, A.J. Brown was kind of uh, in the middle of it. I think you could get four-to-one odds uh, that he was going to be traded. He was going against, like, Baker Mayfield. Debo Samuel. Jimmy Garoppolo, I'd assume. I think Garoppolo was on the list. So that was one of the shockers. Uh, we'll get into the fact that there, there really weren't many shockers if, if, and man, mainstream media, and I'm going to say we're not mainstream media, <laughs> um, simply will not integrate sports betting and betting on this draft into their analysis. And there were so many times yesterday you're watching, and they're like, whoa, who saw that coming? The books, the minus, betters. Minus 300 favorites. Right. Yeah. It was crazy, and I hope everyone learned a lesson. You, know, you can't have Derek Stingley go at number three as the betting favorite and then be bellowing on live TV or radio going, I, I, I didn't see that coming. Like, it's been out for a couple of days. But on Vrabel and A.J. Brown. Mm-hmm. Do you hate the move for either side? The Eagles get A.J. Brown. They give up a first. They give up other picks. Did you dislike it for either side? And, by the way, they guarantee $57 million with a $100 million contract. Yeah, I mean, I think you can kind of quibble with, like, paying a wide receiver that much money. But yet we're kind of at the front of this, right, and seeing paying how much a wide receiver that much, you know, what that will do to your roster, what it means for everything like that. So I don't hate it for either side. I mean, if you're the Philadelphia Eagles – you're still at the point from a roster standpoint and salary cap standpoint, you can afford to pay a wide receiver this. And, you know, you got a young quarterback on a good contract. That's obviously the key for everything like that. And you're still finding out whether or not he's going to be the guy. So don't hate it for them. And for Tennessee, you're a team that finished second last year on rushing play percentage. You ran about 48.8% of your plays. You're a team that's built around Derrick Henry. There's no need to pay that guy. Not to say that Adrian Brown's not good. But you're a team that's built to your run game. So let's trade him away. Let's draft the guy who was comped to be like him. And let's move on from there. All right. So I don't like it for either team. Okay. Um, 
I, I guess I can deal with the money for the Eagles because, like you said, they're not paying Hurts anything. If they reset and they get a quarterback next year in the draft, then it turns back the clock on quarterback pay, uh, quarterback pay even more. Right. Um, they've got a bunch of young wide receivers. They're still not paying. My only problem is I don't think A.J. Brown is really a true one. I don't think he's reliable. He's had way too many seasons where he's been out. And I'm not talking about, you know, like he played four games. But, you know, if you miss four or five games in a season, that reduces your value. I think he's a, I think he's a bottom half of the league one and sometimes plays like a two. So the money worries me a little bit. Mm-hmm. And on the Titans side, I don't really love the return. So the return is a fourth rounder. And they do get a first round pick, but then I didn't like their pick. I don't. I don't like Traylon Burks. Okay. I mean, like I said, they they drafted the comp as close as to AJ Brown. Like they're right. hoping to just recreate. Right. But I'm. What but I'm going to give AJ Brown now. I just said I don't love AJ yeah. Brown. He still is a very good receiver. Right. And very I'm, good. I don't know that Burks is a, a true one. So, but that said, what I do like about the Titans is they. And I just, you know, I was just listening to Gottlieb and uh, John Middlecoff, very good on on uh, on NFL stuff. And they Middlecoff put it nicely. He said, "Listen, th- this uh, this group are Patriots guys. You know, Brable didn't he played there? He didn't coach there, but uh, the GM is a Patriots guy. And they the way they operate is, we've got a value on you. We've got a number. We're not getting emotional about it. And AJ Brown, you know, you saw the story today on ESPN. AJ Brown, like, it's not my fault. Right? You know, they they only got to." 20 million with incentives they were only offering 16 million like the patriots the titans are like hey that's what you're worth we're not going to get all worked up and if we have a chance we get a good offer and then we get to replace you and turn back the clock with another receiver we're going to do it so i guess if you're a titans fan you got to trust that they nailed it pretty good with aj brown and maybe they nailed it with burks and if you follow that thread in terms of the patriots fingerprints or you know patriot regime fingerprints coming up from that pipeline Look at the way the Patriots in the past have handled the position of wide receiver. That's it. It's been like just put a shopping cart out there with like a foam a foam hand. And then now you can do that when you your, Tom Brady. your quarterback is Tom Brady. Correct. It it hurts a little more when it's Ryan Tannehill, and it feels like they're paying Ryan Tannehill more than they uh, the Patriots ever paid Tom Brady. Yep. And and Tannehill did not have a good year last year. No, I mean it, injuries were part of that. They, the wide receiving core was banked up too. So I mean that goes to another feather in the cap potentially of AJ Brown, which is. We saw this resurgence of Ryan Tannehill when he got to Tennessee. Was it Ryan Tannehill becoming the Tannehill that you know was supposed to be what was he eighth overall or whatever it was the year that he got drafted, or was it Ryan Tannehill being in a system with a really good running game and a pretty good wide receiver in AJ Brown that made him a lot better? Now the Eagles have built a wide receiver core that is going to test defenses, no doubt, no doubt about it. Yes. So you have you have a little hesitation there. Well, I, I just have a hesitation of the guy delivering the football. That's a good point. Let, let's hit Hurts in the Big yeah. Five because I, I want to hit on that. Eagles also moved up to grab Big Fella, right? Mm-hmm. Jordan Davis, 6'5", 360, runs a 4'7". This will be a fascinating follow. Davis or the Eagles in general? Davis. Yeah. Is he a full-time player? Yeah, conditioning. Every, I mean, he's again, you talk about all these draft comps. Um, the draft comp that was thrown out for him yesterday was a better Fletcher Cox, which, I mean, if they get him, oh, yeah. they'd be great. He's, he's – I mean, I don't, I don't think this is crazy to say. He is – the biggest, most impressive athlete in NFL history. Yeah, I would say I so. I mean, at that size, but does that mean he can play football and be a three-down player? I don't know. And that's the big question. But if he pans out, I mean, that's a, I think it's a really good selection for him. It's a team. And what I like about that pick, too, and this is why I like team-building stuff, you know, you can always see, like, the 
the flair of teams. And Philadelphia, it's all about building their defensive line. The interior of the defensive line has always been good for them. The year they won the Super Bowl, it was a really good defensive front that got them there that they don't have to blitz a bunch. They just play zone coverage and trust their dudes up front to do it. And I kind of like those picks because you kind of see, like, this is what they've been doing for a really long time, and that had its fingerprints all over that kind of a pick. The other wide receiver where the team was like, all right, you know, paying up's coming here. Hollywood Brown goes to Arizona from the Ravens. Quick, quick time okay. out here because I want to build on this. Um, this one is fascinating, and it's also great because of Lamar Jackson's reaction, which I, man, I'm very pro player, and I, I, I want players empowered, man. I, I didn't think that was good at all. If you want full preview of the uh, Raiders side of the draft and also more draft review, our official draft coverage is on Raider Nation Radio 920. It's on right now. It started at 2 o'clock leading up to the start of today's second and third round. Uh, that'll go at 4 o'clock. You got JT the Brick, Eric Allen, Q Myers. Uh, they're down at Raiders headquarters. They got a post-draft show tonight right after round number three, and that'll uh, certainly a lot of the conversation will be about who the Raiders take at 86 or if they move out of the third round, move up into the second, or move up in the third. And then more coverage tomorrow on uh, R&R 920 AM. Q Myers, Eddie Pascal. pre-draft show starts at 8 a.m., 9 a.m., the draft kicks off, and they'll be doing another post-draft show. That's the spot for the NFL draft, and I think we do a pretty good job here too. But uh, give it a listen. Raider Nation Radio 920 right now. Cofield and company will be back in minutes right here on ESPN Las Vegas. I thought that they had the flexibility to take Malik Willis because he is someone that I think has a higher ceiling as just an uber-athletic quarterback. And the, the kind of buzz with Kenny Pickett is that he has a higher floor and he's a very NFL-ready quarterback right now. And I didn't think that they needed that because they just signed Mitch Trubisky in free agency. Now back to Cofield and Company, live at Crazy Horse 3. Just asking Von Tobel about how he did yesterday betting. I really didn't bet a whole lot. I bet, um, you know, on Aiden Hutchinson where he was going to fall. And I know you told us like three weeks ago you bet over under three and a half. Quarterbacks going in the first round. You bet under. We talked about the number being dropped to two and a half. It turned out to be one. Yeah. That's Brooke Pryor on the way back. And I like what she said there. I don't like either one of these guys, uh, Willis or Kenny Pickett, to be a franchise quarterback. And the way she explained it there is Willis has more upside. You've got your bridge quarterback. Draft the guy with the upside. Instead, the Steelers went with Kenny Pickett. But we were talking about another quarterback in Lamar Jackson and the whole wide receiver thing. So the Titans were like, you know what? We don't want to pay A.J. Brown, so we're moving. Eagles scoop him up. $100 million, 57 mil guaranteed. So the Eagles are one of the teams. They'll, they'll pay a wide receiver 25 mil a year. Um Ravens are another organization. They've never really been very big on, you know, inking a deal and giving a receiver max money. And I thought what they did yesterday was brilliant. Hollywood Brown, to me, I mean, he just – he finally had a really good year, 91 catches and like 1,050 yards, something like that. He gets traded for the number 23 pick in the draft. When I saw that, I was like, wow, that guy got a first-round pick back. That's crazy. Yeah. And I like what the Ravens did with their two picks. Um, the story on the other side is you've got Kyler Murray, who's been temperamental, petulant, and infantile, and the Cardinals are like, you know what? We're going to get your buddy. Yeah. Keep kissing his ass. 
What do you think of that one? So I think – so at first I thought – because I think there's a bigger – like a really bigger picture here, right, which is we're kind of entering into this era with wide receivers where there's going to be a collection of teams that are willing to pay them the money because they want the big-name guys. Tyree Kill, the Miami Dolphins, A.J. Brown to the uh, Philadelphia Eagles. Now you get Marquise Brown going over to the Arizona Cardinals who already went and got DeAndre Hopkins, right? So th- those are teams that are clearly willing to pay for wide receivers. And then there's these other teams that are going to go, no, nah, these are running backs. The, the wide receivers, they're, they're, every year – in the draft, what is the deepest position almost every year? It's wide receiver. Kids want to play wide receiver. The talent is immense there. If you're athletic and freaky, what are you going to go do? You're going to play wide receiver. And I think that you can kind of keep doing this. It's almost like a new running back type deal, right, where you're just going to go into the draft, draft a young wide receiver, and move on. Now, I thought the Marquise Brown thing was different only because, I don't know if you saw the report afterwards, where he actually had quietly requested a trade mm-hmm. and told even Lamar Jackson, system just wasn't for me, man. And so it just happened that the Arizona Cardinals, you know, to kiss Kyler Murray's ass, wanted to go get him. Uh, and you made the face like the system, I guess. Well, I, I'm just wondering then, was Lamar Jackson tweeting WTF because Brown was already there, like in the fold, and all of this happened without Lamar knowing now? Yeah. Because this, when you see what the blank, it would suggest that, like, Lamar Jackson had no clue yeah. at all this could happen. But he did. Right. But I also think we're looking at one tweet. With just three letters. He could have been responding to the craziness of the draft. He could have well, been he, resp- he already pointed out it wasn't because the center they drafted. Right, right. He said, get out of here on yeah, that. Yeah. No, I think he was reacting to the fact that Brown was traded, and Brown was at, like, he was already in yeah. Cardinal land as it was, it was going just, down. He was already um, about it. My, my whole thing with Lamar Jackson here is, bruh, you're the, you're, and I think he's a really good guy, right? He's clearly a smart dude because he worked out his first deal. He's probably going to work out his second deal, and I hope it, I hope it works for him and he gets, you know, $200 million plus guaranteed. But there comes a point as a professional, it really in any any industry, where just put down the phone. Your instant reaction is not needed. Mm-hmm. You're the face of a franchise. You don't need to go WTF. It's just it's stupid. Well, and then it causes you, like we're talking about here, to talk about it, speculate on it, whatever it is, with no context. So I would agree with that. But I, I think... To me, what, hap- what, what happened yesterday and what happened, was it a month ago now with Tyreek Hill, whenever he got acquired, I'm just really fascinated by this dynamic now in the NFL where there is a coll- – it's almost it's not like a war, obviously, but like there's a side where it's like, you know what, we're going to draft you, we're going to use you for the first four years, and the second you want $20 million, you're out of here, and we'll just go draft your replacement. I mean, it's honestly kind of funny that the Titans literally did that yesterday. Just traded away the guy and got his replacement in a matter of seconds. And I think you're going to start to see that now. You're going to start to see that. And because you're paying these quarterbacks more and more, if you talk about, like, positional value, like edge rusher is a little bit more valuable than these positions like wide receiver. And what this means for that position and how these teams handle it going forward, I'm, I'm going to be fascinated by the futures of Miami, Philadelphia, and Arizona. The league's never been better in terms of uh, philosophical differences. Yeah. And then we I mean, we got to get back to what the Rams are doing. The Rams are out the first two days. I mean, they, they got this, this house – it's a draft house. They put out a three-minute trailer, like a you know a, mo- a mock movie. I mean, the arrogance of this team is unreal. They got T-shirts like "F the pick" or whatever it is, "F them picks." It's crazy. And then yesterday, they're doing some fan slash uh, online event, and you got Les Snead and McVeigh, I guess, answering questions, breaking down the draft. The Patriots pick comes up. The Pats go with some offensive lineman from UT Chattanooga, Cole Strange. It was another one of those magi- magical first-round picks where like everyone on TV is like, 
Wait, what? Who? They didn't we have did, film on them. We have a graphic. We, didn't have, we, got any, we got anything on this? You want to talk about an organic reaction? Here's Sneed and McVeigh at this event. UT Chattanooga to the round. Hey, where is... How about that? And we wasted our time watching him thinking he'd be at 104, hey. maybe. <laughs> the hearty laugh. It's such McVeigh. a belly laugh, dude. He goes, we, we wasted our time thinking this guy who went 29th was going to be available 104. And he may not have meant it that way, but that was a slap right in Belichick's face. So do we take this, like, serious? Do we take the serious route here, or do we just laugh at the the belly laugh and the the very amplified, I'll call it, reaction? John, I think what we just saw was what happens inside war rooms. Because you know that happens all over the league where they're like, what? Who did they just take? Oh, my 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 God, we got him 86, and he just went 17. We We got a true glimpse into a war room. One of my favorite like draft moments that I've read, and I don't like him at all as a writer, but Peter King, uh, that year that he was in the draft room for the San Francisco 49ers, it was the Mitchell Trubisky draft, and they traded with the Bears. And John Lynch is, they can't be taking Trubisky, can they? Like, just openly, like, shocked that it was Mitchell Trubisky that they decided to take with that pick. But you're right, I just, I, I think we've kind of seen this now over the last couple of years with Belichick where you kind of look around with some of these first-round picks and you go, okay. I mean, I guess you get the benefit of the doubt because you're Bill Belichick, but you can go down the list. Do you? I mean, do you? In Kill Harry. I mean, no, well, one, of the, right. one of the first things, go ahead and give your list. One of the first things I thought of last night was whew, maybe Dave Ziegler was real important to the Patriots. Right. Sony Michelle, Isaiah Wynn, like all these guys that they spent at the back end of the first round drafted these guys. It hasn't been the best. And especially if you look back in the years, the draft picks, the early draft picks that, the, that haven't worked for the Patriots, it's been offensive players. You know, Belichick seems to have a really good eye for defensive players, but the, these offensive players, they tend to swing and miss a little bit more. And you just get another one of these where it seems that the consensus, at the very least, was he's probably going to be there in the third round. And you could have added maybe something of a little bit more value in that position because that's what this draft's about. It's not about, like, acquiring – yes, it's about acquiring it, But is it? Because, believe me, we'll build on this because I know what the, the response to what you just said is. So if he's a great player, who cares? Yeah, but if you could have gotten him and gotten another good player at 29, right. then you could have doubled the value. And we actually have a really good example of this here, right? Yep. What did we just see a couple of what yesterday? The three first-round picks for the Las Vegas Raiders, they all declined to take up those, those fifth-year options. And a lot of, I think, what, two out of the three at the very least were considered reaches. And that doesn't burn as much when you take those guys in the second round. It burns when you take them in the first round, and that's why you don't do what the Patriots did. Yep, and that's a good point. we got to get to that. Fifth-year options on Cleve Furl, number four pick. Josh Jacobs in that same draft, and John Abram all turned down by the Raiders. Coming up next, let's break down some of the big stories on the NFL draft from day one, a little NBA. Uh, our sister station has these guys on a little later in the afternoon, Rob Parker and Chris Broussard. We're going to catch up with Mr. Parker from Fox Sports National right around the corner. Join the conversation on Twitter at Cofield and Co. Now back to Cofield and Company, live at Crazy Horse 3. Back here on ESPN Las Vegas, you know, we got our sister station, and I talk about the lineup on uh, Fox 1340 and 98.9 FM all the time. Love the lineup. Rob Parker is part of the lineup, the odd couple with uh, Chris Broussard. We're going to get to some NBA in a couple minutes, but Rob, one of the bigger stories yesterday, we'll get to the Lions in a couple minutes, but the wide receivers getting picked and also wide receivers being traded. 
Uh, one, Philadelphia went all in on A.J. Brown. They get him from the Titans, and now they're going to pay him uh, an extension of like $100 million. Yeah, I mean, we've seen this. This is a, a throwing league, right? I mean, so you need wide receivers. Wide receivers are getting paid at a huge clip. We've seen wide receivers being moved around like never before. Um, it's a wide receivers market and game when you throw the football and running backs aren't nearly, Steve, as important as they used to be. I look and think, and I've been covering the NFL since 1987, but I think would Barry Sanders be playing? You know, like you start to look at some of these guys. I don't, I don't know. If you can't catch the ball out of the backfield, I don't know if you play today. Yeah, I think Barry could play. I don't know that he'd be a, a top pick in the draft. And I think after five years, here's the crazy thing for running backs. They're in the league five years, they're super productive, and then teams are like, yeah, we're not going to do a long extension because we think you're washed already. Exactly. And and so, you know, it, it puts you in a spot if you're a, a running back. And, and I get it when when guys, you know, want to hold out and try to get paid before the, the team uses them up and then discards them, right? They just go, we'll get a younger guy. We're not going to do it again. And uh, it's it's not right. I think the running backs have gotten screwed in the NFL. But um, ultimately, though, you know, what's funny is you still need to run to get a first down sometimes, and you need that guy. And teams that aren't able to get that first down in that key situation oftentimes wind up losing. Well, you need to run the ball to wear down the defense, too. There's a physicality. I know You know, people think Brandon Staley is all throwing uh, with the L.A. Chargers, but he's talked about it, about being physical, and they took another offensive lineman yesterday. So running is still part of the game. Well, you know what's funny is uh, Debo Samuel doesn't get traded, and his complaint with the Niners, while running the ball makes Debo extra valuable, Debo's smart enough at a young age. He's like, yeah, I don't want to play running back. Like You're, you're cutting into my value long term. He, he knows it. He's he's 100% right. And I don't know, is he is he just a wide receiver? And once he becomes just a wide receiver, does he have the same, you know, value and, 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 and is the same kind of player? You know, that's the part that you don't know. And do you want a wide receiver that doesn't score touchdowns? I, I, don't, I, I don't know. It's, it's interesting. I understand what he's doing. It makes – logical sense but but does somebody buy into that to say if he's not running the football he's not nearly as valuable as he is when he's a hybrid do you agree with what the Chiefs and the Packers are doing so they're paying big money to Patrick Mahomes and Aaron Rodgers but they're not going out and getting you know 20 million 15 million dollar receivers what do you think of that? Because I, I I feel like it's like countdown three two one before Aaron Rodgers starts complaining again that Adams is gone and they didn't go get you know a big time receiver. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, and and I'm not going to poo poo Devonte Adams or some of the big receivers, but um, a lot of quarterbacks. If you get guys in there and you mix it around and guys emerge, they get opportunities. Um, I, you know, I mean, they offered him more money and he decided that he didn't want to be, you know, in Green Bay anymore. I don't know what else you can do there. So it's just a matter of trying to see. And then, you know, they have like a ridiculous record without Devontae, something like where they were, what, seven and one or seven and seven and oh and nine and one in their last 10 games without him. And that doesn't mean that you don't need him. I'm not saying that at all. But sometimes, you know, if you have a quarterback who can deliver the ball to people, you know, it, it makes it a lot easier. 
Rob Parker, Fox Sports Radio, is with us. Nice enough to join us on the second day of the draft. You can hear him on our sister station, Fox Sports Las Vegas. You're a longtime Detroit area guy. They took a defensive end. They wound up trading up for a receiver. Just what's the overall feel in Detroit? Do people feel like with Dan Campbell and Brad Holmes as a GM that there's some light at the end of the tunnel now? Funny because I'm in Detroit. I, I, I own a barber shop called Sporty Cuts on Seven Mile Road in Detroit, and that's where I'm actually came from today. <laughs> and uh, as you, they think they won the Super Bowl, but that's typical Detroit. You know, I worked here for 20 years, and uh, you know when you have one playoff win since 1957, Steve, and and the draft is like Christmas, you know, and they feel good. I, I mean, I think that they did take care of a couple of their needs and and there's no reason not to feel good about it. I just don't know. I'm, I'm still the jury's out on Campbell as a coach. I, I saw him last year make some what I would call bonehead calls where you're going for it on fourth down in your own territory. You know, like you're playing Madden and you're just like, just go for it. Whatever. What's the difference kind of thing. So I just have to wait and see uh, in year two um you know, because a lot of coaches like Campbell who won as many games or less, right, as many games as him got fired this past year, except for him. Yep. So I'm not I'm not positive that Dan Campbell is that coach that they think he's going to be. So one of the weird things that happened yesterday was the Patriots picked a guy who a lot of people had graded as a second or third rounder, and people are getting on Belichick. Um, there's actually a video out of the – draft party that was hosted by uh, Sean McVay and their GM, Les Snead, and they brought up this guy, this selection the Patriots made, and they started laughing, which I find really fascinating. I find the Rams and their sort of arrogance kind of fascinating, especially getting after Bill Belichick. What do you think of all this? I think it's ridiculous. I think that they won a championship. It worked out for them. They put all their chips in. Things worked out. But now I think they're very arrogant. They think that they've reinvented football. And eventually they'll have to pay the piper. And they're not going to win every year. And then we'll see how that is. But I think that's comical. You know, I mean, you can say whatever you want. You could agree or disagree. They're also the, the guys um, that pay Jared Goff. And, and uh, you know what I mean? Like, yep. you're sitting <laughs> around laughing at people. <laughs> Rob Parker's with us, Fox Sports Radio National. You can hear him on 1340 and 98.9 FM right here in Vegas. Let's talk a little NBA. Um, we were just talking about, before we get to the playoffs, we were just talking about the Rams in L.A. I know you and Chris Broussard talk about it a lot. Where are the Lakers going from here in terms of the roster, and who's going to be the coach? I say they're going home dinner, maybe a show, because I don't know where they're going. <laughs> right. I mean, let's Steve, let's be honest. Uh, and I think that there's a market for, for Westbrook. I really do, because he has an uh, – expiring contract so that makes it and he might go to a team that needs to sell tickets and then can use that slot to try to get a big free agent after so it's not inconceivable I don't expect him to be back I don't see how the Lakers can continue it just doesn't fit and it doesn't work coach is a great idea I know Mark Jackson's name's out there um what about Sam Cassell he's put in a lot of time uh a guy like that I don't think there are any like proven coaches you know with a championship in their back pocket that they can go get so maybe they need to go out and develop and get their own guy and give them an opportunity but I I don't see the Lakers winning anything LeBron we saw it his impact on winning doesn't factor in anymore 
He averaged 30 points a game, and they didn't win two games in a row from January all the way until the last two games of the season when LeBron didn't play. Think about that yep. in this man's NBA. That That's telling. So I don't know what they're going to be able to do. Anthony Davis can't stay healthy. Um, they got a lot. Of, it's a top-heavy team and not a lot of depth. I mean, they got a lot of work to do in order to get back into the equation. And when you look at the, the, the Western Conference, look at all these young teams, the Pelicans making – you know, making strides without Zion. Look at where Memphis is. Look at the Phoenix Suns. I mean, you start looking through the West, uh, you know, Kawhi Leonard comes back next year with the Clippers. I, I well, You know, like, like where do the Lakers fit in? I don't think they do. It's also a cautionary tale, isn't it, that there has to be a division of management and roster building between the players and true management and the fact that clutch sports is so involved in helping build the roster like it ain't working 100 percent, and i get it these got these teams get in bed with players and like a lebron and you're not going to say no to him for the most part and he has a hand in it you know buddy hill wasn't big enough or a star name for the lakers and him so they passed on him even though he was a better fit uh and, and, you know, ultimately, if I'm the GM or the owner, the buck has to stop with you because when things don't go well, you're going to be the one who gets to blame right. if you're Rob Palenka. You know, right. like people are going to look at you and say, how did you put this together? Rob Parker's with us. All right, let's, uh, let's talk Eastern Conference and then we'll get you out of here. Um, the East seems incredibly balanced. Do you think there's a clear favorite in the East now, especially because the Bucks aren't going to have Chris Middleton probably until the finals if they can make it? Right. No, I, I'm, it's wide open, and it just depends. Uh, I like the Bucks. I like what they are able to do. I mean, Middleton is a big loss. I don't think it's impossible for them to still win that series. And we'll see. As much as Boston, and I, I love what they did, but let's just be honest. They swept the Nets by a total of four, 17 points, which is which is unheard of, okay? Right. One like they ran them out of a, the gym. And Nick Claxton missed 20 free throws. I mean, kept, like, like that's how close it was. It really was way closer. And, and everybody say the Nets don't work. You know, it wasn't like they got blown out. Um, and they were missing Joe Harris, and I'm not making excuses. Joe Harris was the best three-point shooter in the league a year ago, and he didn't play this year or for the most part. So we'll, we'll wait and see. And, and no Ben Simmons. Um, and then Philadelphia – I don't know. I don't know what James Harden. He finally showed up yesterday. They needed him, and he did. But he's been uh, disappointing in the postseason. So I, I don't know about Philadelphia. Uh, obviously, Boston has some great defense, and Tatum is great. So uh, And Miami, I'm not that big on Miami, but they're a good team, and their path is a lot easier to the conference finals. So this is going to be an interesting uh, Eastern Conference. But if I'm, I'm going to – uh, take the safe road, and I'll say I'm picking Milwaukee. Yeah, I, I think the whole thing is fascinating across the NBA, this battle between uh, playing small ball and then a couple of teams having true bigs, and Jokic and Denver couldn't handle GSW. Um, we'll see, man. We'll see if Golden State can win, you know, throwing up all those threes and playing, you know, 6-6, Draymond Green at center. Yeah, that'll be interesting once once they get there. I picked Memphis to come out of the West. Ooh, I'm going to stay with my pick. Even though, you know, Golden State looks good. Uh, I just don't know. Denver, you know, wasn't a real threat to them. And I just need to see them against a full-strength team. 
Rob, we appreciate the time. Love your show. It's added so much to our Fox Sports station. Uh, thank you so much for your time. Thanks, Steve. I appreciate it. Uh, anytime, my friend. There he is, Rob Parker, Fox Sports National. You can hear him each and every day, Monday to Friday, with Chris Broussard on our sister station, 1340 and 98.9 FM, Fox Sports Las Vegas. All right, we're just minutes away from the beginning of the second round. We're hanging out here at Crazy Horse 3. Come on down. Bucket specials, also bottle specials. Dozens of the hottest ladies in town are hanging out or watching the second and third round here. So come on down. Great draft party this afternoon at Crazy Horse 3 on Russell, right across from Allegiant Stadium. Join the conversation on Twitter at ESPN Las Vegas.